Hi, welcome to the Emotional Stuff Podcast, hosted by Dr. Marcus Motley, clinical psychologist and positive psychology coach. Here you'll get powerful stories, techniques, strategies, tips, and targeted recommendations on how to effectively deal with anger, sadness, grief, anxiety, jealousy, fear, and other minor, major, intensely difficult, and disempowering emotions. Listen to the Emotional Stuff Podcast, read our blog, and begin to heal your hurt, manage your emotions, deal effectively with difficult people, handle stress better, and fully empower yourself to change and grow in the ways that you really want to. Dr. Motley helps you to remove the emotional chains that are shackling you. Hello, this is Marcus Motley with another episode of the Emotional Stuff Podcast. This is a show where we discuss the best tips, techniques, and strategies on how to deal with your emotional stuff. We talk about how not to let your emotional stuff derail you or deter you or put you on a detour from your destiny or weaken your resolve to maximize your potential. And most importantly, we talk about how to use your emotions to empower yourself, to connect with others, to make positive changes, and to get what you deeply desire from your life. Recently, several of my coaching clients have had situations where their anger was triggered to the point where it led them to being ineffective in their leadership roles. Most of them felt that in many of these situations, their anger was justified, and so they had a right to be angry. For more than 20 years, I've conducted anger management workshops for public and private sector organizations, and I have counseled and coached clients and patients who had serious anger management issues. And almost universally, people who have anger issues have similar responses to those of these leaders. They feel that other people, other situations, other environment, or some group is responsible for triggering their feelings and emotions around anger. In other words, they typically feel that their anger is justified. My response? Yes, everyone has a right to their own emotions. And yes, their internal feelings may be justified. However, if their emotions and behaviors and actions which follow these feelings, diminish their capacity to be effective as leaders, managers, or supervisors, or family members, or members of a civil society, then something needs to be done. Why? So that they can have a more empowering response to whatever triggered those internal feelings that led to their angry emotions and the behaviors and actions which followed as a result. I recently came across an article by M.K. Mueller, who seems to have coined the term angergy, that's A-N-G-E-R-G-Y. In other words, anger energy. She proposed that we need to get in touch with our angergy because she claims that it is bad for you. In other words, it's B-A-A-D-D-F-O-R-U, bad for you. 
And here's how she characterized bad for you. The B is for blame. The A is for analyze. The other A is for apologize. The first D is for defend. The second D is for deny. The F is for fix. The O is for obsess. The R is for run. And the U is for use. So let me explain. First of all, the B is for blame because we like to blame others for our anger. We analyze. In other words, we dissect and break down and rationalize why we were right to act the way we did. And the second A is for apologize. Yes, we might apologize for what we did, but we keep doing it. And the apologies are weak anyway and are usually followed by a but. In other words, I am sorry, but. And then we defend where even after the apology, we try to explain and blame others and give reasons for our negative behaviors. And then the second day is for deny. We refuse to take responsibility and certainly don't want to be accountable. And then we fix. We attempt to put band-aids on the problem and it really never works since it's the other person who needs fixing. And we obsess. We obsess about how right we are and how wrong the other person is and how much that other person has wronged us and that is them who needs to change. And oftentimes we run. We run from the internal thing that triggered our anger, which may be our isms, our pet peeves, our beliefs, our feelings of victimization, our habits, our upbringing, our personal or family history, and our mindset. And then we use. We use food, we use credit cards, we use cigarettes, we use shopping, we use drugs and alcohol, etc. to feed or to try to treat the negative emotion. And so yes, B-A-A-D-D-F-O-R-U, bad for you. Another smart person has written that anger is one letter away from danger. What is that additional letter? D, the D that is in front of anger, D-A-N-G-E-R. Now, there's even a book entitled Anger Kills, The Ultimate Danger. Now, in my anger management seminars, I outline both the physiological and psychological process of how anger kills. And I'll do some of that in this episode. Anger can be a highly distressing emotion that results in all kinds of negative consequences. And among the many possible stress-related emotions, including depression, grief, anxiety, fear, jealousy, and so on, anger seems to be the most common, and not without reason. Because anger has some appeal. For example, anger, for some people, is activating and mobilizing. When you're angry, you feel as if you're doing something about whatever is triggering your stress. You feel there's a response you can make, a way of expending energy forward and toward resolving the distressing situation. 
and it can get you to take action and do something about whatever you perceive is the problem. Anger sometimes makes you feel powerful. Anger can make you feel like if you're in charge, even when you're not. When you tell someone off or give them a tongue lashing, you feel stronger and in control. Anger enables you to express yourself in a forceful way. And anger often gets results. By becoming angry, as opposed to remaining calm and pleasant, you may just get what you want. Many people are intimidated by anger and are more obliging and cooperative than they normally would be. And anger is often a respected response. We often interpret anger as standing up for ourselves and not letting others take advantage of us. And other people may see it the same way. Our anger may be labeled as assertive and strong and courageous and confident. Anger is often seen as being an authentic response. Many people, even some victims, see an angry person as being real, responding from the heart, and they often call that speaking truth to power. In many communities, this type of realness is preferred over a so-called diplomatic or strategic response. Anger is also an expected response. So someone does you something, and if you don't get angry as you are expected, or as normal people would, then you might be labeled as a softy, or a coward, or strange, or some other word that implies being weak. Now, some people believe that anger is necessary. There are many who believe that anger is necessary to take your game or your performance to the next level, like Mike Tyson, for example. Now, years ago, I used to run around more like jog, a high school track here in Washington, D.C., at least a couple of times per week. And I would watch the American football coach working with his senior team of students. And having been a school coach myself, you know, with some track and cricket, but mostly soccer, I was really mortified by his style of coaching. He would try to work on the young men's emotional energy and psyche by telling them things like, kick his butt, push his ass, grab the so-and-so, F him up. Now remember, these kids are practicing with their own team members and he is trying to stir up the anger in a practice session to get them to perform. And I kept wondering about what these kids were learning and what messages this coach was giving. He seemed to be telling them that they needed to be angry to perform and execute well. Instead of focusing on tactics and strategy, his singular and most important approach was angergy. Now, of course, there are ways to get teams to exert high energy, focus, determination, and intensity. But none of that should be about anger. At least, that's what I think. So, I know many of you will argue that anger can be a useful emotion, and I certainly, but cautiously, agree. 
Mother Teresa started her worldwide social justice movement purportedly and reportedly on a day when she was extremely angry. Dr. Martin Luther King used his anger and sense of injustice to foster change through the civil rights movement. These and other historic figures, for example Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi, turned what could have been negative angerji into positive passion for social justice. So yes, you can use anger as a powerful and passionate vehicle for positive good. Now let's examine the downside of anger. Although your anger does have its upside, the downside may far outweigh some of those positive benefits. Besides being emotionally distressing and making you a prime candidate for a black eye or, in some environments, a bullet, your anger can give you some other things to worry about. Anger can make you sick. When you're angry, your body reacts much the same way it does when you're experiencing any other stress reaction. Your anger oftentimes triggers your body to take a defensive stance, readying yourself for any danger that may come your way. When your anger is intense and frequent, the physiological effects may be very harmful. Your health is at risk, and any or all of those nasty stress-related illnesses and disorders can become linked to excessive anger. Anger can break your heart. Yes, recent research now indicates that your heart, or more accurately, your cardiovascular system, is particularly vulnerable to your anger and its negative effects. In his book, Anger Kills, Redford Williams describes a number of possible ways hostility and anger can negatively affect your cardiovascular system. Here are a few of those negative effects identified by the research. When potentially hostile individuals are angry, they have larger than normal increases in the flow of blood to their muscles, which suggests an exaggerated fight-or-flight response. They also experience an increase in their levels of stress hormones, such as adrenaline and cortisol which can have negative effects on the cardiovascular system as well. In other words, an occasional increase of adrenaline and cortisol is okay. But when these are released on a regular basis, then your body goes into flight or fight mode often, too often. Your blood pressure goes up. There is increased blood flow to your arms and legs. The pressure increases in your eyes and ears. However, because more blood is directed to your arms and legs and brain, it has to come from somewhere else. So blood flow is significantly decreased to your kidneys and liver and stomach and other internal organs. So imagine that happening 30 minutes a day, several days per week, every month, every year, for 20 years. That's the epitome of how anger kills. High blood pressure, liver problems, ulcers, stroke, kidney problems, and much more. Not to mention the violence against others, alcohol use, not getting along at work or at home, etc. 
potentially hostile or angry individuals with higher levels of blood cholesterol were found to secrete more adrenaline than those individuals with lower levels of cholesterol. For these individuals, the linkage between higher adrenaline secretions and higher cholesterol levels means that they have greater likelihood of arteriosclerotic plaque buildup. In other words, your veins and arteries become clogged, like a rusty iron pipe, or like a water hose that's now stiff and cracked and leaking. People who scored high on measures of hostility and anger tend to have fewer friends. This lack of strong friendship means a weakened social support system. Being able to talk to someone about what's stressing you can lower your blood pressure. And having no one to talk to certainly doesn't do anything to help you. Research has shown that socially isolated individuals excreted higher levels of stress hormones in their urine than those who had strong support systems, strong social support systems. Hostile individuals typically don't take good care of themselves. They tend to engage in a number of destructive health behaviors, including smoking, drinking, and overeating. All of these behaviors can have negative effects on the cardiovascular system. In measured doses and expressed in the right way, anger can be appropriate and effective, helping you to take action, solve problems, or in some way better deal with the situation at hand. So anger clearly has a place in your emotional repertoire. However, a big difference exists between feeling annoyed or somewhat angry for a brief period and having strong feelings of anger that simmer for hours. When it is intense and prolonged, anger can result in incredible amounts of stress and damage to your overall well-being. And as I just indicated, it can seriously damage your physiology. So, anger has long been recognized as a huge problem. Even the Christian Bible contains some anger management strategies. Here are a few. The Lord is slow to anger. So all of us are exhorted to take heed and pay attention to that. Similarly, the Bible says that even when the Lord gets angry, His anger endureth for but a moment. And so we are also warned, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Why? Because he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. In other words, when you're angry, you're likely to do stupid things. And finally, the Bible advises that even when you do get angry, as we all do, we should not Let the sun go down on our wrath. In other words, don't carry it as a chip on your shoulder or let it continue to be a wedge between you and others. You should learn to let it go. Now, I didn't say let it out. I said let it go. A lot of people don't know the difference between letting it out and letting it go. For example, I had a colleague who carries a lot of stuff. But there is this particular beef, particular issue or problem or vexation or thing that he had against someone in his family. And at least every couple of days, he would recount the incident that made him angry. A couple of times every week, every month, 
for the seven years we worked together. And every time he talked about the incident and family member, he was angry, very upset, almost bent out of shape. You could hear it in his voice. You could see it in his face. You could feel the angerji come off of him. Every time, every week, every month, for seven years. And that's for the seven years that I knew him. And that was only when he talked about it at work. So you can imagine how he bent the ears of his close friends, of other family members, maybe even strangers he met on the bus or on the train or everywhere. Every opportunity he got, he let it out. But, but he never let it go. Until finally, well, the rest of that story is tragic, very tragic. Understanding how you create your anger and knowing how to reduce that anger are the keys to anger control. So when we realize that our energy is moving towards or is already in the danger zone, we should shift ourselves, walk it out, talk it out, write it out, move it out, sing it out, meditate it out, or pray it out. Yes, I said pray it out. Think about this. How can we use this moment for something positive, to change and transform ourselves, our staff, our kids, our family, our community, our organization, our world? But first starting with ourselves. The point, do something positive. Don't give the anger free reign. Don't let it take you over. Don't allow yourself to remain stuck in the muck. Don't give it any room in the temple. Don't allow it to suck the rest of your energy. Don't allow it to make you an ineffective manager, parent, spouse, or human being. Instead, let the sunshine in. Put the spotlight on it and drive it out. Let it go. Like blowing up a balloon with your dirty breath and letting it go. Seeing the balloon disappear in the distance seeing the balloon getting smaller and smaller, knowing that it will not come back. And doing that again, blowing up that negative energy into that balloon and letting it go, watching it disappear in the distance, getting smaller and smaller and smaller and never coming back. Why don't you try doing that? Take that negative feeling. Imagine getting some imaginary balloons. Take the negative thoughts and feelings and emotions and hold them. Then imagine blowing and pushing and releasing them into one balloon and then letting that balloon go. Watching it move up and out and away from you. Watching it get smaller and smaller and smaller and feeling the relief as you do. Then do that again. Blow up that balloon. Let it go. Let it go. And then do it one more time. With practice, with practice, this process of getting relief can take anywhere from a few days, a few minutes, eventually a few seconds. You may just find that your anger and pain and hurt may just have diminished a little bit or a lot. And you may just realize how relieved you are that you 
are no longer carrying that hurt, that anger G, on your shoulders, in your heart, in your head, in your stomach, anymore. It's gone with the balloon away. Why? Because you have both let it out and then you have let it go forever and forevermore. Good riddance to that anger G. Hi, thanks for listening to another episode of the Emotional Stuff Podcast, hosted by Dr. Marcus Motley. Listen, if you need private, personalized information, techniques, or strategies that are designed specifically to help you or a friend or a loved one, then please contact Dr. Motley at empowerme at hotmail.com. That's M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E at hotmail.com. Or go to the website at emotionalstuff.com, emotional, S-H-T-U-F-F dot com, and leave a private comment or make a specific confidential request. Remember, you can always contact Dr. Motley for private and confidential coaching and counseling assistance. 